Yes, we did it. We're live. Or it seems so, at least. Hi, John. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm cool. And this is the moment where we pretend that we didn't speak before, you know, going live. <laughs> and I ask you, uh, you know, how are you? Where are you from? And everything. But, you know, I'm going to repeat this uh, many times today. I already did, but uh, it's nothing, you know, it's always good to just, you know, thank you so much to um, joining me. Um, you know, I, I really, I really don't think I should really introduce you, right? <laughs> because I think you know, everyone who is going to to watch this definitely definitely knows it. But maybe you want to have you know, few words uh, to introduce yourself. That's that's surely better than what I can do. No, sure thing. Uh, hey, I'll be super quick, but thanks so much. It's great to be hanging out with everyone. Hey, my name is uh, John Hammond. I'm a uh, security researcher at a company called Huntress for my day job. Uh, and on the side, I have a, a YouTube channel where I showcase a whole lot of uh, cybersecurity education, whether it's tutorials or, I don't know, different videos and content on whether it's dark web or malware or just stuff that's kind of fun and interesting in the cybersecurity space. Um, so loving it, having a lot of fun and super happy to be here. <laughs> Oh, and, and I think I'm happy that you are here, but I think everyone, you know, who is going to watch this uh, will be as well. Um, you should, you know, you're actually going to, to teach me something about, you know, content creation in general. <laughs> I'm new in the space <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're definitely one of the most uh, uh, well-known people in the, in the industry and, uh, you know, uh, definitely, definitely an inspiration, I would say, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's because you know, it's thanks to people uh, like you that I, I actually started this little project of mine. So actually, if this is the first time you're watching this, um, this is just, you know, a very little project where I uh, invite very cool people uh, to, to have a, a chit chat about the data security news, just because I think it's uh, fun and I'm learning in the process. And hopefully also the, you know, people who are watching this uh, can learn some, uh, something or can teach Ask something, right? Uh, because yeah, if you if you're going to to leave a comment or here during the live on Twitch or maybe later on YouTube, uh, you know that's everything that um, will be definitely uh, appreciated and um, useful, right? Because maybe you know something. Actually, sure, you know something uh, that I don't know. I don't know John, but definitely I don't know everything, right? I don't so, know either. And I love the the feedback loop. It's like, hey, the comments, any engagement, those things are all things that help us learn just as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I really think that, you know, um, the industry, of course, we are all in love with, with this industry, if you are, especially if you're working on it, but uh, having a discussion with peers, especially, you know, peers that you're really not really um, maybe working with every day. Right, so people with who you can exchange uh, some information with different backgrounds, different knowledge bases, and everything. It's something that really enriches you, and this is just the reason why uh, you know uh, I'm doing this. So, uh, so definitely. Uh, let's see here. Well, hi Zambroid, you're always there. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, um, I think we I think we can actually start. Um, so um, this is, again, if this is the first time you watch this, uh, the format is very, very simple. Uh, we collected a few uh, news from the industry, uh, something, you know, that could be interesting, something that, you know, um, um, you know, can help us have a nice discussion on it. And uh, I'm going to share my screen in a second with the first news. 
and we're just going to have a, a nice chat uh, about it. Just before I do this, please, 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 if you like this episode, if you want me to do more episodes, uh, please, um, you know, consider uh, follow uh, on Twitch or, you know, subscribe on YouTube, uh, comment, share or whatever, you know, uh, you like. That's all feedbacks that will be appreciated. And just let me know that, that this is something that, you know, um, people want to watch. Right. So it does make sense if, uh, if I do more. So thank you very much for that. And I'm going to share my screen. So here it is. OK. Just make sure that I share the right screen here. Yes. OK. Ooh, looking good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. OK. So uh, first news, I'm going to just uh, you know, to introduce this very, very briefly and, uh, and see um, what we have to, to say about it. So the um, subject for this news, for this story is Tesla. Uh, most of you will definitely know that, you know, this is the company um, producing um, electric vehicles, right? And they are very, very, you know, integrated with uh, multiple technologies and uh, they have a very uh, important uh, infotainment system. So basically, you know, the onboard computer with all the services provided by the company itself. And a um, um, group of researchers uh, that I think are going to actually talk about this at, yeah, the Black Hat, right? Sasha mentioned it here. Uh, you know, figured out how to jailbreak the onboarded system, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, um, get access to a series of different services that usually um, Tesla users should pay for, right, to get access to. Um, th there are actually different things like uh, uh, heating, you know, seat heating or acceleration boost. This is pretty interesting. Uh, I didn't know that there was something like that, like you pay to, to make the car faster. Wow. Um, and apparently you can just do that in case you are able to do a jailbreak. Oh, and by the way, I like to always explain, uh, you know, uh, all of these uh, bad words we use in the industry. Jailbreak is basically, uh, you know, a way to um, bypass the controls and the uh, constraints that the vendor made on their own devices. So, you know, uh, you don't have uh, directly access to a series of, um, uh, you know, uh, elements of the operating system. And doing jailbreak, you, you actually can get access to the very, you know, low, low level and everything that is installed on the, the actual computer, right? So this is the way the researchers uh, did, did this. So what's your first thoughts about this, uh, John? Have you, yeah, have you ever heard about something similar in the past? Well, yeah. So I, I took a look through the article and I have a lot of good friends that have Tesla cars. I don't have mm. one personally. I don't, I don't actually have a car. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of driving these days, so I don't have a car personally. But if I did, I would love to have a Tesla just because <laughs> I think they're crazy cool. And I, and I really like that they go sort of technology first and then like vehicle second. <laughs> like I feel like they lean really hard yeah. into I don't know, just the, just the code, just the software, just how it all blends together with the hardware. Uh, but when you see something like this, when you get into car hacking, uh, which yeah. I don't know a lot about, and I'll be the first to admit, I, I'm not super smart on car hacking, but it's crazy. Like it's a whole wild potential. I don't know when 
hey, when you compromise a vehicle that you physically sit inside, there could be a whole lot of risk or danger depending on how that's like compromised. Like seat heating, meh, okay, cool. Unless you can turn the temperature up like crazy hot or crazy cold, <laughs> like that, I don't know, hurt someone. The acceleration boost might be wild. Um, it's just crazy to me that any, you know, this sort of thing is possible, but it makes complete sense given Tesla being, you know, the technology driven and software like built car. Um, I, I'm stoked to see this coming together at Black Hat. So that mm -hmm. Black Hat 2023 conference um, is getting started in Las Vegas over in the United States for this week. Um, and I'll be over there. I'm excited. And I would love to tune into this talk. I would just be fascinated to see what did they do and how did they do it and what's all going to come from it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Also, because I think we have also another newsletter that still, and actually, I think that's about DEFCON, but still, mm. you know, uh, just uh, um, about one one talk that it should be should be there in the United States. Actually, um, a little uh, envy uh, that I cannot join those, but maybe one day, who knows? Um, so yeah, this is interesting. I think for multiple reasons. Um, I read about vehicles hacking uh before right mm. uh especially you now it's usually very very interesting when it's something that you can do remotely but i don't think this is the case so it's described in uh you know briefly in the in the article that uh basically this is uh expl an exploitation about uh on uh, the um the amd cpu right that was already uh known before and they actually you know uh, just try to um, to exploit the same vulnerability and to get access to um, to the Tesla uh, system. And uh, you know there is for sure the fact that they are uh, you know getting access to uh, premium right um, features and services, which is not really um, concerning most of all, like you said before, but. There could be uh, other ways, you know, that they can exploit this. Like, if you get access to the operating system, you can actually technically install new new software, right? And right. maybe make the car or you know the system inside the car uh, make something new that it was was not supposed to do uh, before, right? So this is something that really makes me uh, think that could be potentially mind blowing, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, maybe a, a key word in that one of the little lines in there and say, hey, for this, we're using a known voltage fault injection attack. So known mm -hmm. sticks out to me. It's like, OK, it's not completely new, groundbreaking, like zero day novel research. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not to say that it's not valid because of that. It's just really, really slick that they've accomplished this. But as you mentioned, OK, it's at it's at the AMD processor. Um, yeah. But then what more can you do with what you've already accomplished. That's still super duper interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what there, uh, what is there? I'm just, yeah, I wanted to see this line here. Um, researchers, uh, and I'm quoting here, uh, could access and encrypt sensitive information. So of course, I think I, I'm not, I don't have a Tesla, right? But I think when you buy one, you have to uh, fill out with all of your information to get, you know, a, um, you know, the, the most out of the, the car itself. Uh, so there will be your um, personal information there, but also, uh, you know, phone book, calendar entries, call logs. This is interesting 
uh, Spotify and Gmail session cookies. So technically, right, uh, there could be you no know, uh, tentative to um, uh, get access to other uh, services that are not from, from Tesla themselves just because you have some sort of authentication uh, available uh, in, uh, in the Tesla system. Uh, Wi-Fi passwords, so, you know, I just, <laughs> what if I exploit your car and then get access to your own network because you <laughs> <laughs> connected your car to the uh, local Wi-Fi and location visited, so they also get to know potentially uh, where have you been or what places you uh, you you go often, right? That That's a scary one, if you ask yeah. me. I, uh, when I was driving again with my friend the other day and they have a Tesla, uh, they're a parent. So they say, Hey, you know, we always pull up like YouTube videos so the kids can watch some, some silly YouTube content. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, you're totally right. Cause like it is a computer, like you're driving a computer. Yeah. So with the web browser and you're logged into YouTube and it could just as easily, yeah, grab whatever Google session or tokens or anything that it might use. Uh, which is crazy. And the Wi-Fi passwords is just as wild. You say, hey, your house, hey, the office, wherever you go. And then, of course, exactly where you go all the time between those frequent locations visited and Google Maps or Apple, whatever. Like, um, that it's crazy when you put that cybersecurity threat in the context of a car. <laughs> yeah, when, when it gets physical, right? Because we, we most often, uh, most often we talk about or think about cybersecurity and we think about big corporations, uh, you know, infrastructures and everything. But when it gets physical, when it gets close to your home or to your relatives, right? And that's basically, I think it's similar to when you start talking about IoT and everything, like all of the smart systems you have at your place. I think this is pretty similar. Uh, the only difference is that this smart device is actually going around the city and not just, you know, uh, staying in uh, in your house. But maybe it gets connected to the same network. And maybe in your network, you have other, you know, smart devices. So, you know, again, uh, there are uh, multiple, um, uh, I would say, consequences that you can face uh, when they start from your car. And the problem is that your car, again, drives around. So you can leave the car at some point somewhere and uh, I'm really curious about, it's not, I think it's not specified in the article, but uh, what's the uh, requirement? Like, do they have to get access, I think, inside the vehicle, right? right. I don't think they can do that really from outside. But um, at that point, I'm really not sure how difficult it is to break in physically into, into the car, right? If there are actually uh, enough secure system to just you know, <laughs> avoid you uh, entering inside the car and uh, and that's not something you, you worry about. But um, I'm thinking about third parties exploring this. But I also think I spoke with, uh, you know, some people who owns, uh, um, you know, a Tesla. And I believe that multiple people will be interested to uh, jailbreak their own Tesla themselves. Oh, yeah. Right? To, to actually play with it. <laughs> <laughs> I would so, want to personally, if I had one. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it's, I think it's similar. Like we, I think we all did uh, at some point, you know, root our devices or like mobile devices or jailbreak our own device to just to see 
uh, what we can do, what we can um, install on it and everything. And at the same time, I think uh, if something like this become really uh, available for everyone, right? Like a jailbreak for iOS devices that nowadays is very simple for, for older devices, right? Maybe you just install an application and you can just do it with one click or something. But is this, uh, is this safe for people who are not really into technology that much? Like, um, what about someone that is not really knowledgeable about technology, but really wants to play with his own car and mess with it? I think this is a little more dangerous than you know, jailbreaking a mobile device. Again, because it's in the physical world, right? Yeah. I think as it stands right now, and you can see again in the paragraph further down, they say, hey, you know what tools that might be needed to jailbreak these systems? Mm -hmm. They say, look, you could use a soldering iron and like $100 worth of electronics, like a, a teensy board. But yeah. as long as you you kind of have to know what you're doing to be able to play with those, especially with the soldering iron. I, I don't know. I don't, um, and uh, probably whatever software or however they actually pull that off with the, the board and the circuitry. Yeah, you, you, there's definitely a little bit more of a barrier of entry than like an iOS mobile phone yeah. or jailbreak. <laughs> yeah, like now for sure, right? Um, yeah. I don't think that just with the uh, the talk at Blackhead, people are starting to <laughs> jailbreak their own devices. I, I, I'm just thinking like tomorrow, you know, if this become a trend, yeah, you can have every time there's a new version of the software, you will have a, a new jailbreak for your new Tesla. And maybe next time will be easier and easier. You know, it, it happens with, uh, you know, gaming uh, consoles, uh, mobile devices, and it always gets easier. And there's, or maybe you just go to someone who, who knows how to do it, just pay, pay him, I don't know, something. If if you both uh, a Tesla, I think you can pay someone to jailbreak it, right? <laughs> True enough. Yeah, and it can really get commoditized, I guess, at that point. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and again, that that scares me uh, a bit, right? Um, again, just just because I, I really uh, will not uh, someone who is not uh, who doesn't know what what they are doing, right? To mess around with the system about the car, I I really hope. I, I don't know much about this, unfortunately, but I really hope that the infotainment doesn't really get access to, um, you know, the, the actual, you know, mechanical and electronics uh, that makes the the, the, the car to, to, to drive and to brake and everything. Because in that case can be very, very scary. I mean, if it if can enable your car to drive faster, maybe it can do also something else. Right. I don't know. So, um, so there's a question from Zambroid. Of course, will you ever jailbreak your Tesla like you did with your iPhone in the old days? That's exactly what I, you know, what I was <laughs> not suggesting, right? <laughs> I don't want to suggest it, but it's definitely something that just because uh, you want to play around with your device, right? You you could do. Like I definitely spoke with someone who, who you know who would like to do it, right? So uh, it's, I, I don't think it's, it's that uncommon. It's still your device. Maybe you get, just get bored of what you get uh, by default and you want more, you want to enable new features. Maybe you see some you know, video on YouTube that someone is showing you, okay, see this new cool stuff that I'm making my Tesla doing because I, I did a jailbreak, right? Yeah, so I think for a lot of the like 
geeks or nerds or, or hackers or folks kind of in our industry that would just they would and i would like without a doubt just for the fun because like the tesla is is a, a toy like i know it's a car yes obviously but the fun of it is that like hey if you want to hack on it you can like it'd be so cool to ssh into my car <laughs> like and, and solder, soldering iron and a couple of circuitry boards and stuff that would that would just be really slick and it would be a, a toy uh, so I have no doubt I for one would totally want to jailbreak it if I learned all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I understand it definitely. Like it's, I would say it's probably one of the um, inner, uh, you know, uh, drivers of uh, the, the the you know hacking community, right? Oh yeah. Just break out something to see how it works. So definitely, right? But I really hope that you know. Um, you think twice before, you know, doing something stupid. Yeah, <laughs> as long as car. you don't brick your car or hurt yourself. <laughs> right. Or like, I'm really um, scared because you can actually hurt someone else, right? Not only yourself. Right. That's fair. Yeah. So that's that's my uh, my problem here. Um, yeah. So uh, it's a toy that takes you <laughs> True. per hour, right? <laughs> so that's that's the problem. Like you can also. You know, throw your mobile device to someone and hurt someone like that, but it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just reading the very last uh, row here, and uh, it's th- this is actually um, I would say good that apparently uh, it can it cannot unlock the full self-driving uh, system. Uh, you know, th- this jailbreak they are talking about, and this is interesting because I think that like in the U.S., Tesla can actually do that, right? I uh, can actually drive autonomously, uh, at least in some countries. But I'm pretty sure that in Europe, that feature is disabled by by default because you know there's no um, like laws and regulations are not permitting it yet. Uh, so uh, I, I like um, if you really jailbreak the system, I was thinking you could do something like that. Actually, I'm not sure why this is. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm curious if that's under some like different security guard or, or or boundary some way or another, or if it's just not in that set of hey whatever voltage unlock they did. Um, mm-hmm. On your note, no, I I have seen in the United States, hey folks using the the self driving. I don't know if there's a differentiation between like the full self driving or just hey you can take your hands off the wheel and it will do things for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure because I just don't own a Tesla, but I have been in, in a car with, Hey, the driver has just like, yeah, when we can just let Elon drive and <laughs> that we're good on the highway. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Hopefully but probably a good thing. Yeah. The jailbreak cannot completely make the vehicle autonomous all on its own. <laughs> yeah, I actually wonder why I'm thinking maybe because it, um, uh, you know, it requires some, uh, uh, you know, involvement with cloud services, right? Mm, it is not maybe. just about your system. Uh, maybe, maybe it's it's because of that. Because you know, again, if you're really, really, if you're really talking about jailbreak, technically you should have access to everything that is in your car, right? So if the feature is there, I would expect to be able in some way. Maybe, maybe there's another, you know, um, security measure that you have to overcome, but technically. I would expect that you are able to do that. But I am thinking maybe, you know, uh, uh, I expect Tesla like tracking uh, cars, 
via GPS or whatever. And maybe that really requires you to get access to to the cloud service, not you know, uh, not just to the to the car itself. Maybe it could be the reason. Mm. Uh, I would, if I may, maybe probably pull some attention to that quote portion down at the bottom, because uh, mm -hmm. they note here, hey, they yeah. the researchers got to chat with Tesla. They told him they got through the disclosure, and they say, hey, that works on an old firmware version. Mm -hmm. And they say now the newer versions, you can't tamper with that or play with it without, um, you know, authorization and signature sets by Tesla themselves. So the researchers say like, hey, okay, totally cool. At least what we did is is fun and novel and lays the groundwork for tinkering um, in the current set of Teslas. If you like update or patch or get your firmware to the latest version, then it's mm -hmm. not really uh, a thing one way or the other still super duper cool and it, it's a matter of like how many people are going to update their car the same way how many people update their computer i wonder if there's a delta in how many <laughs> i don't know patches or updates for your car or easily reminders or not <laughs> yeah again like comparing this to mobile devices at some point we we started to add um like ways to downgrade systems so you could continue to you know uh uh, jailbreak or root your system. So, you know, I'm not sure there's something like that right now for Teslas, but it could be a thing, right? Uh, maybe you cannot with a new version um, until someone finds a new way to do it. Um, but um, maybe you can just not upgrade or downgrade, right? I'm not sure if there's, I would expect Tesla to enforce you know, a uh, new firmware because, you know, again, this is, this is a car. Yeah. So if, if there are patches, if there are bugs, uh, I definitely want my car to be uh, fixed as soon as possible and just not rely on myself because yeah. I should not trust myself <laughs> <laughs> um, more than the, the actual vendor, right? Um, so, so yeah, no, it's, it's, very, it's very good that it's specified uh, that they, uh, you know, spoke with Tesla before. Um, talking about about this, it should be always like that. Unfortunately, it's not always like that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's it's interesting because I think it uh, gets more people interested in this kind of stuff. Um, it actually, you know, drives um, not only Tesla, maybe also other uh, vendors in the same industry. Uh, you know, to to uh, double check, right? Uh, the same the same kind of uh, uh, systems and features, because again, Tesla is definitely um, you know always on, on on top recently. But then you know, other other companies in the same industry are, are doing this. You know, their version of uh, the same stuff. Like it always happens, right? Yeah, so, that's interesting. I'm like I am curious. Like, hey, Tesla being like basically the market leader for electric vehicles yeah. but there are others so like would this sort of technique work on a pole star or whatever i don't know volts I, I don't know if those are considered all electric but yeah plenty of other electric vehicles and i'm curious if there are similar or maybe varied attacks that you could do with this same sort of stuff but i'm excited hey i'll, I'll try to tune into that black hat presentation and see what they share <laughs> yeah let us know actually you know maybe maybe uh, you will have something more to to add on this topic later yeah. um cool. so uh, 
just to 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 uh, close the, the the last sentence that you had before, since this is based on uh, the actual CPU that is used mm. on uh, Tesla, it really depends on you know are other vendors using the same um, right. hardware, right? Or they are just using another CPU, and for that reason, this specific you know attack is not possible. But maybe again, they are using another CPU that add. Uh, similar, you know, kind of vulnerabilities, so you can reapply the same concepts and, uh, you know, potentially do the same thing. Uh, so that I think that's the uh, mostly the point here, right? Totally. Yeah. Cool. So um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about this. That definitely interesting, right? Uh, but we have, um, you know, a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Uh, so probably uh, I'm going to jump to the next one if you're okay with it. Yeah, no, there's not a whole lot more else for me to add on here. I mean, it, again, car hacking is insane and it's so cool. Um, and there is a whole village dedicated to it at, at DEF CON uh, and a lot of the hardware hackers that do that stuff. It just, uh, it's crazy to see the impact. I think um, Sam Curry or some other more of the researchers or bug bounty folks really got into car hacking some time ago. So if anyone tuning in, if anyone's listening is really interested in that, I'm sure you could track it down. Um, Sam Curry and car hacking if you wanted a Google search. But super slick. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the suggestion. Um, cool. So uh, next story, next news. Um I thought this was interesting, right? For uh, again, uh, different reasons, but uh, let's see uh, where the discussion goes. So the um, this story talks about a cloud company, right? Uh, I will say more just uh, just to make this uh, more uh, clear. A company, you know, um, um, renting hardware, right? So uh, having their own data centers that uh, they rent to uh, third parties. Um, apparently, you know, uh, supported or just, you know, um, sold uh, their services to 17 different, and here they say government hacking groups, mm. right? But I would say more generally, you know, uh, um, you know, threat actors, right? Uh, from, uh, based on, you know, uh, in different countries. And, you know, basically the, uh, again, another group of researchers here, um, how do you say it? Just you know, declare that uh, you know this company. Most of the business from this company is actually you know um, um, you know leveraging uh, their their own infrastructure to make threat threat groups run their you know bad stuff, right? And um, the the news is basically it, right? The new the the article talks about you know. Um, um, some discussion that the CEO had uh, with the researchers publicly, you know, saying uh, some stuff that maybe we can quote in a second. But I really want to focus here about uh, a couple of things. First of all, threat groups are, you know, humans, <laughs> just like us. Yeah. And to to run their, uh, their attacks, they need infrastructure as, you know, um, uh, as other, you know, legitimate companies uh, need. Right. So for the same reason, legitimate companies buy from third parties, like from vendors, cloud providers um, to um, how do I say it in English, um, you know, just not um, manage the hardware yourself, but, you know, uh, call someone else, pay them 
so they can uh, manage the hardware and you can just uh, use the um, storage and uh, computing processes and everything. Uh, attackers are doing the same and they are actually using um, same, the same kind of providers, maybe not exactly you know, the same providers uh, mostly, but there are companies out there uh, that uh, are actually, you know, uh, not really uh, checking too much about what their customers are doing <laughs> with their own uh, infrastructure. And, um, uh, and, uh, and apparently this is one of those cases. So these researchers were, um, you know, um, uh, tracking some, uh, some infrastructure from, from some uh, threat groups. And apparently most of them or many of them uh, were, um, you know, um, uh, coming from the same, uh, the same service from this uh, Cloud Z. How do you call this? I'm not sure how do you pronounce this. Yeah, anyway, that's right. Cloud Z. Yeah. yeah. And um, they, they were saying something like, okay, most of your business uh, is just coming from those threat groups. So you're basically, your business is as bad as the threat groups themselves, right? Because we, without you, threat groups have to find something else where to run their. Uh, common control, basically, right? Hmm. Um, and you know, um, again, very interesting to see how it is really difficult to determine. Um, you know, is is there a legitimate cloud provider and a bad cloud provider? Are you know uh, all the same, and uh, it's just difficult to determine whether your customer is a threat actor or just a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, customer or something. Um, like, my question is, is this company just closing a couple of eyes, right, just to do business and not really checking? Or threat, threat actors are really good into, you know, disguise as legitimate customers, right? So th th that's the reason why I thought this was interesting. Yeah, this one is, it, it's interesting to me just as well, because... I don't know. It's really hard to point a finger as if we're like, oh, shaming or blaming or, or trying to throw shade at, at the provider at Cloudsy because I don't know. And, and we don't know like, hey, how much is, the, is it a majority? Is it almost all? Is your entire business solely providing for threat actors in these groups? Um, and they could say whatever they'd like to say for press or PR and, you know, just respond to media. Um and I, I just don't know. Like, I can't say with certainty. But my knee-jerk reaction uh, is sort of like a, well, okay, that's no surprise. Yeah, I, I totally get the fact that, oh, threat actors would be using cloud providers for cloud-providing services. That makes complete sense to me, and it's it's just, that's what they do. Like, as you mentioned, look, it could be DigitalOcean, and we know, hey, there are threat actors that will just use temporary DigitalOcean droplets and do their work and AWS just as well. Like any of them could just, could just be hosting cybercrime, threat actor tooling, hacker stuff. Uh, and they run their operations out of there, but it's not to say that, Oh, the entire business model of that provider is enabling cybercrime because yeah. it's not, <laughs> but it just yeah. happens to be a symptom. So Knee-jerk yeah, reaction, yeah, it's just, meh, no surprise. <laughs> Not sure. Sure, no surprise, right? But I think it's always um, important to, to, to uh, 
um, to say the obvious, right? Because sure. maybe it's not clear that, you know, again, cybercrime is basically working as a, as a company, right? Mm-hmm. They, they need infrastructure. They need to, to pay someone to outsource some of their stuff, right? And, uh, and it's good to, to, to um, reiterate on that. But uh, now, you know, there's the, the ethical, uh, you know, question here. And I think this, this phrase from the, I think this is the CEO yeah. uh, of Clousy. I think it's interesting. It's, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm going to just quote it and see where it goes. So if you are a knife uh, factory, are you responsible if, you, if someone misuses the knife, right? So like, it is saying, okay, maybe someone is using my my infrastructure to do bad stuff, but am I responsible for that? Just because I have rent, I am renting some service out there. Am I responsible to you know uh, of um, what they are actually doing with my servers? I don't know. That's an interesting question, right? Because I will say uh, yes, but it's not that easy, right? Because yeah. you need to to check it. You need to, you know, uh, can you check it, right? There are regulations out there that prevents you to get access to, you know, customers' data, you know, most of the time. So how do you check and enforce that even if you want to do that? So I don't know. The, the question is legitimate. Right? I love that line. Yeah, I love that question. And I think it's just a really good way to be like, well, look, like, uh, it's just nature of the beast. Like, look, any tool can be used as a weapon. Like, look, we have hammers, but sure, hammers are supposed to hey, beat on nails and do what they're meant to do, but they can just as easily be used as a weapon or or, or misused. So I think that's a, a, a really good way to, I don't know, put that back on the table. Um, to your point, it's exactly right, though. It's like, sure, cool, totally understanding and acknowledging that things can be misused. Uh, but I think I guess the onus now was on Cloudsy to after this, like after, look, we got to all acknowledge it. Uh, are they going to do a little bit more proactive work to go stop those threat actors and hackers from using and abusing their services. Like I know for a fact, DigitalOcean, look, if it sees something rogue or malicious on any of its infrastructure, we'll just yank it. We'll just stop that and yeah. and cut it out. Uh, now I think, yeah, it's just a matter of Cloudsy really getting a little bit more proactive. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you, you're perfectly right. Like, I think that's the difference, right? Because um, probably, again, as you mentioned, all cloud providers here and there receive some, uh, you know, communication that okay, there's something, uh, you know, spoofy happening with your infrastructure. Maybe you should do something about that. And the uh, like, the way you respond to that communication is what really makes the difference, right? If you are going to shut down, you know, the uh, the account or the subscription for that customer because you can confirm it's actually bad. And you do that maybe in a timely manner, right? And maybe I would say also um, uh, you actually support, you know, uh, in case law enforcement or anyone else is really uh, investigating, you know, uh, those those activities. In that case, I think you're on the you know right side. On the other end, if you know, okay, maybe you really don't know that <laughs> some of your servers are used for uh, malicious activity, but what if I actually tell you and I give you evidences? Okay, so see this, I don't know, 10 customers of yours, 
are definitely you know doing bad stuff online and uh, stealing money or whatever from uh, uh, many companies out there so are you going to do something about that or are you just going to complain okay it's not it's not my fault right maybe yeah. it's not your fault but you can do something to uh, to to fix it right right i think that's the difference i am a bit skeptical kind of taking a look through it more because when Cloudsy, their CEO says, look, yeah, we can't be held responsible for this. It, he says it's only 2% of mm -hmm. the infrastructure and the clients and that cloud provider. Uh, and Halcyon, the other company that's kind of trying to sound the whistle here and blow the alarm is like, blow the whistle, sound the alarm, is saying like, look, it's, it's just about half, like it's 50%. And that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, Halcyon says, look, okay, we dug into that by trying to map out and analyze the digital footprint, like trying mm -hmm. to see what servers or infrastructure is out there available on the internet. Uh, and if it says, look, it's got ransomware groups, it's got other cyber crime in the mix. I don't know. I, I, I feel like knee-jerk, again, maybe knee-jerk reaction. I lean a little bit towards Halcyon and I'm not sure about the Cloudsy CEO saying only 2% because if Halcyon's thinking 50%, it's not like oh, there's this giant other more than half of the potential pool that they're just blind to. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm, I hope yeah. the story kind of unfolds a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, again, I really think that the difference is going to be uh, on what they do next, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone is going to say, oh, no, uh, sorry, I, I was wrong. Actually, it was not 2%. It was <laughs> 45 right? Right. Uh, I think that's that's not the point right now, right? There's some malicious stuff going, you know, going on out there for sure. Otherwise, you know, uh, we, we were not reading this article. Um, and, uh, you know, the point is what happens next. Mm. If this was actually a company that was relying completely on you know supporting uh, cybercrime, uh, in that case maybe right they are definitely responsible and maybe I don't know this company should shut down completely, right? Because they were just uh, I don't know we we have some uh, um, definitely some some laws against this uh, in uh, in Italy, but definitely multiple countries will have you know if you are supporting someone else doing bad stuff, you are definitely responsible as well just in a certain you know. Um, threshold and uh, and you know that that that's really bad on the other hand if okay I really didn't know half of my customers were uh, doing this stuff but tomorrow I shut down you know half of those customers right and I managed to keep running with the with the other half uh, I don't know uh, maybe they are just not really good uh, with uh, you know again checking and tracking and uh, uh, maybe doing some due diligence. I, I'm not sure if cloud, uh, cloud providers usually do that, right? Checking the customer before actually, you know, selling the service. Ooh. Even if, uh, you know, especially if you think that today is so easy to just go on AWS or, you know, Microsoft Azure and with few clicks, you already have your, your subscription, right? No one is really checking on me. Maybe yeah. after that, I'm not sure. I would think probably not, but I guess I, yeah, I don't know for sure either, but there's no like background check for you to be able to use that, that mm -hmm. tech and the technology. Cause 
for one thing, it would probably hurt business, like the convenience and the ease of just being able to like, hey, click a few buttons and now you've got a server out there on the internet uh, and you start your subscription and you make money for the business. So yeah, background checks, I doubt it. But it's interesting if there's supposed to be some more formal regulation or like slower movement to, to, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but. Yeah, no, I don't think it's it's that easy. Just think that, yeah, once again, uh, really comes to uh, how do they respond to, again, possibly law enforcement asking, okay, let me, uh, you know, um, connect in and uh, investigate what's happening in those servers because we know something bad is happening there and maybe you can actually help law enforcement um, catch someone, right? Or seize uh, part of the assets from uh, uh, from some of the, those groups. I think that's that's really different. And there was actually a term specifically for those um, you know um, uh, providers that are really uh, actually built specifically to support cybercrime, right? Mm. And they are usually in uh, you know usually uh, those companies are placed in some countries where they can you know just. Uh, legitimately not respond to call from uh, you know uh, other countries uh, law enforcement just because they don't really have to right um, and uh, and they are making a lot of money just because of it okay they they take they um, uh, make some uh, agreement with the um, uh, you know cybercrime groups and say okay I'm gonna put the data center and be the face because I, I need to create a legitimate company to run that. And uh, I'm going to uh, rent you the services. And if anyone asks me what's going on, I just will, you know, pretend nothing is happening. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm just not remembering it, but there was a term specifically for them. Uh, mostly, um, you know, for what I read, mostly that happened in uh, Russia and, uh, you know, um, uh, East or Middle East um, uh, part of the world, uh, but it's just because again the regulations in some of those countries uh, help with that, right? Just because they don't have to respond if I don't know United States or whoever uh, sends you a communication and ask you, okay, what's what's going on? Uh, you're not forced to to reply in some way. It's, it, could, it could be one of those cases, or. Or maybe you know it's uh, uh, it's just a very small provider that <laughs> doesn't know what they are doing, which could be also the case. I will not exclude it. Halcyon again, the the researchers kind of reporting on this. I feel like they're they're going in pretty hard. Like they say, look, they yeah. analyzed Cloudsy's employees' social media, like LinkedIn and Facebook pages, and it found the firm is almost certainly a front for another internet hosting company called. ABR knock, which is, that's quite a claim, but, uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'd, I'd have to go look into it and, and try to validate that, but that's still kind of crazy if they're trying to think like, Hey, you know, it's some syndicate with a fronted business and, uh, manipulating market for cloud providers and cybercrime. It's, I don't know. I'm, it's crazy to me that Reuters is the outlet sharing this because they're big on a lot of the hey like potential controversy across nation and powers etc um yeah. so when you bring cybersecurity to that front and you start to like point fingers and throw uh all those claims at i don't know some 
some companies just faking it and trying to give power into wrong hands. It's wild. Now I kind of want to go look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. I think there's one last, um, you know, point of view here that uh, we call this was about just a just a second. So about you know the uh, the firm that is uh, investigating it, right? Mm. Um, so I will say, and, and by the way, you're. I, I, maybe you're into a different kind of research, but I, I will say that this is some kind of threat intelligence research or something. And um, I think there are different ways companies are doing this, right? Maybe it's because, I don't know, they uh, they have a product they are working on which does something like that, you know, tracking or doing investigations. Maybe it's for marketing reasons, right? When you... Um, uh, make different uh, websites, uh, uh, you know, do a, um, an article about your work. This is something that, you know, is still get credit to the company. Oh, you know, this company can get, you know, can do some investigation that reveals this kind of stuff, right? And it says something about the uh, skills and knowledge and capabilities of, uh, you know, companies, but also, you know, of course, the um the the employees of the company right and when a company is so direct and so i would say aggressive right it's definitely it's not really um making assumptions they are basically accusing uh cloudsy of this and 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 they are doing it pretty pretty hard like yeah. what's the reason behind you know Alkion? how do you pronounce that again yeah <laughs> uh, why why to be so aggressive about that like we have many companies like uh, creating reports and just you know talking about facts mm -hmm. this uh was seen here this was observed here and maybe you know making hypotheses and another thing is uh accusations right what's the reason behind that like this is yeah a little interesting uh yeah as well. yeah I keep I keep reading ahead and forgive me because I think it's so interesting. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, when you ask the questions, okay, why? Why would you kind of go out and about and try to do some takedown and in, in a PR stunt of this thing? And I don't know. Uh, I know, yeah, a lot of it could very well be speculation. And it, it looks like, it seems like, they have done enough research and I don't know if they published some of that or if they have some of the details or screenshots in one of their own blogs or anything. Um, but when they, one of the last lines, Oh yeah. I don't, did it, did it release? It might've. Yeah. There's, there's a report apparently. That's crazy. I not really read all of it before, uh, but it's not really, really they, don't have long, a, they don't have a lot of screenshots in there. Yeah, not That's... really. There's just a bunch of uh, IOCs, right? Uh, some IP addresses, and yeah, I will. I will be interesting to to deep dive a bit, but I don't see much stuff in this. I was I was expecting yeah. like a deeper. I agree. Your... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'll wait to to read this before actually making conclusions. But <laughs> yeah, not sure. Not sure. Still, why to be so aggressive? Why to be you know? Uh, so secure to expose the company itself, right? 
I think it might just be kind of like, hey, a lot of these things point in that direction. Like they just kind of stockpile. Uh, the very bottom, I think, of the article, they say like, look, uh, Cloudsy does business through like cryptocurrency and, and strictly that. Uh, and it just feels like, oh, okay. Hmm. All these things just seem to look a little bit more suspect uh, and sketchy, yeah. <laughs> which uh, look, you never know until you know. Um, but all the U S uh, firm registrations for the actual business, they say, look, it's registered under uh, these business names in the United States while the CEO is over in Iran or outside of Iran somewhere, but didn't say where uh, maybe, I don't know. It's all just seemingly weird. Yeah. Yeah, like I just, you know, I just think it's interesting that, you know, it started like an investigation on cybercrime and then they went to actually do OSINT about the employees <laughs> and reach out to the, you know, uh, a law firm behind, uh, um, behind the U.S. company and everything. Like, I think the, uh, you know, the overall goal of the investigation um, moved to something a little different, right? Yeah, but, that's for yeah. sure. We probably never know <laughs> was the uh, why this uh, especially happened, but yeah, I thought it was uh, really interesting. Um, anything, anything else you would like to mention about this? Otherwise, you know, uh, we have something else. Again, I don't know if I'm going to ruffle any feathers in saying this, but I think like that sort of analysis investigation uh, is like good and cool to do and just see how far the rabbit yeah. hole goals goes uh, and again maybe it's tough because look you'll have some combative conversations that folks agree some folks disagree uh mm -hmm. the report that they put out i wish again would have had a little bit more show and tell whether it's like screenshots or, or, or videos or a little bit more visuals to really demonstrate not just all the bullet points and text that we saw when we were kind of scrolling by uh but like that's still that sort of work is a good thing to do. Maybe not going out and blasting a company uh, with uh, <laughs> news articles and PR, but uh, finding the balancing act to appropriately say, Hey, something just seems really weird here. Uh, and then trying to pull that thread further. Makes yeah. Sense yeah, definitely. yeah, no, I, I agree. Right. Like the, the technical aspect of it, it's definitely useful for multiple reasons maybe you know just uh the communication part i i don't think it's even you know someone else should taking care about that part uh, in my in my opinion but it really depends on you know the 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 company uh you know um budget and uh, uh capabilities and uh, you know um uh yeah a anyway i i think i think that's uh that's it yeah we i'm probably interested to see if we will get to know a little more about it uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. Um, cool. So we are actually in the middle of you know um, uh, what we collected for this episode. It's already uh, around one hour that we are speaking. Um, I know maybe maybe it's just me, but I didn't I didn't really notice. <laughs> Should be a good thing, hopefully. Um, but yeah, just before we, we go through the next news, I just want to remember once again, uh, you know, if you're still watching this, uh, live on Twitch or, uh, you are maybe rewatching the recordings on YouTube. And I forgot to mention before, uh, Spotify or, you know, any other, uh, podcast platform you, um, uh, you prefer, 
uh, you know, consider um, uh, following, subscribing, commenting, share, and everything. Just to again, let me know, let us know that uh, this was uh, this is interesting for you, and maybe you want to uh, do, want more of it, right? Uh, because again, feedback is very very useful, and also you know you can contribute to the discussion itself. Uh, maybe for that you really need to uh, tune in on Twitch while we are live. But also, you know, discussion a little later, I will make sure to, to have a look at the, the comments here and there. So feel free to, uh, you know, comment everywhere you like it the most. Cool. So, um, great. Next, next news. This is a little more technical, right? And uh, it's not really uh, my, um, my field, but I really thought that, you know, we really have to, to have a talk about this because it's so... Uh, so cool, right? Um, uh, I think I'm reading about this. Um, I think they call uh, side channels attacks um, more and more often recently. Uh, but this was, uh, you know, so uh, so mind blowing. Like how um, effective they they say this. So what we are talking about? We are talking about an acoustic attack where, uh, again, um, a team of uh, British researchers uh, found out that they can train an AI model, right, to um, recognize uh, the sound of the um, uh, keyboard, right, just hitting your um, keys on your, on your keyboard. And basically, from uh, just the sound that your keyboard makes, um, determine what you are writing on your keyboard. So in that, you know, in that way, potentially stealing the information that you are writing while you are writing it, right? Uh, so potentially, you know, credentials you are uh, putting there, your passwords, or let's say that you, I don't know, you are a writer, you are writing your a book, and in some way, I, uh, I get to record your <laughs> computer uh, with a microphone while you do that. I can potentially still, you know part or all of the book you're writing or something. And um, again, I've heard about something uh, similar before, but this time, the fact that of course involves AI that is you know, very big nowadays. And uh, the other thing that is, you know, make it very interesting is these three words right here that, that I'm quoting, accuracy of 95%. That's big. That's right? out there. <laughs> That's huge. And if we want to make this even worse, you know, another combination of keywords, Zoom, right? 93%. So basically, they, they tried the same thing, um, you know, recording the keystrokes, uh, you know, with a microphone close to the computer, right? So you are, you are you know, close to, to the computer that is uh, uh, typing in with a mobile device or a microphone of some sort. And you have... 95% of accuracy in that way. Otherwise, you can try to have a call, you know, with the with the guy that is writing on uh, on his keyboard uh, with Zoom, and you still get 93%. That again, it's a very uh, tiny difference. So I think it's still very very effective. And I didn't thought it could be that good because honestly, when I started reading this, right? Okay, they can record, you know, uh, your keyboard, and I. Uh, immediately uh, thought, oh, but you know, all of the uh, recent um, call applications or you know, meeting applications have those uh, um, noise suppression uh, software, right? 
that most of the time, you know, uh, let you uh, uh, doesn't let you hear about many noises in the background. You know, keyboard included, right? Unless you have a very you know noisy mechanical keyboard, maybe I keep hearing some of them yeah. from developers or something. Uh, but if they can still do something like this with Zoom, I think it's it's very. I don't know, concerning, of course, but also cool in some... Oh, it's uh... so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I can't tell, and I don't know if you can, does the training that it needs, because it needs a little bit of time to build out the model and actually learn how this could all come together, uh, build out the prediction accuracy, does that need like a mapping of like, oh, this is the sound that the letter A means and this is the sound the letter b means so you need to know the victim and their sound letter association to start with so they uh, it's specified here right okay that what they did uh with uh with uh, um, a macbook by the way Mm -hmm. and apparently uh all the recent macbooks have the same keyboard so if you do that with the keyboard of a macboard you can potentially you know reuse it with all of the similar keyboards so that's the point. You have to train uh, the model about a specific kind of uh, keyboard, and then you can reuse it. And what they did was, uh, and I'm quoting here, um, pressing 36 keys 25 times each and recording the sound, right? And mm-hmm. then they basically translated the sound into visual you know, sound uh, in different ways. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not an expert in this, but yeah. uh, you can see here these spectrograms. And they use it actually, the model is actually uh, being applied on the visuals, not the sound itself, right? Mm. Um, then, you know, after 25 times you hear the same key, you basically have identified, okay, this key um, is associated with uh, this letter, right? And the next time I, I reuse this from the same keyboard, I could, uh, you know, determine what, what they are writing, you know, 95% of the time. I don't know if I kind of answered, you know, your, your question there. Yeah. No, I, that's, that makes sense. Cause for, I, I originally thought again, my knee jerk reaction was sort of a, Oh, well you need to already know what the sounds of each key will be like so what that defeats the purpose of the attack like in the moment but like didn't even realize and like you said like look if you had a macbook pro every single other macbook pro in the world is going to sound the same because it's the identical keyboard so if there were ahead of time like a giant repository of all the potential keyboards that could be with one laptop or with one computer or sold at whatever Amazon and that, and that you just take whatever training set or pool you want, then you're good to go. If you have that data ahead of time, the only thing that's still like weird to me or sticking out in my mind is how is the variation of like the microphone or like the audio settings and like the recording environment, like between the training model and the real thing that you're trying to, snoop and compromise um i'm super curious yeah and i think you're actually right because most of the time that's the 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 difficult part of this kind of attacks right Right. really depends on the 
quality of the audio or video, depending on the kind of attack we are talking about, that you are uh, really getting. And it's actually not, I, I don't think it's specified this time, right? Uh, at least in the article that I'm reading right now, but I always encourage, you know, uh, people who are interested in reading more or finding other sources that maybe can specify that. Maybe there should be a report somewhere or a white paper that should talk a little more about this. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, about this this topic, still the thing that you can do this uh, through a, uh, a web meeting, right? I With, uh, again, a no separation software and everything, I right. think the still right the sound quality you really need is not uh you know uh, uh is not a big deal apparently right like if you get if the difference is in front of the computer with a microphone 95 percent and remotely right with a connection that can also be a little spotty and uh, uh your software and everything it's just a two percent difference and maybe they 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 were a little you know uh um, I don't know, maybe they were wrong. It's not 93%, maybe it's 80%, right? Still, it's very, very, very high if you ask yeah, me. I agree. Anything like over half is still pretty good. Right. <laughs> hey, well, we could uh, totally maybe go take a look at the actual report or the actual white paper if folks were interested in that. Um, but yeah, like... The environment is interesting to me and whether or not there are any variables or, or differences in that, but just the fact that it can be got, be done in the first place, like, Hey, like audio based keylogger in a way that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by the way, it's interesting. The, the question from Zambroid here. Um, uh, so do you think the power used to tip in the keyboard will not change the key sound? So, you're going to, to try that live? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's the reason why they are training the model um, you know, before pressing it multiple times because, of course, you can get uh, to you know, type harder once or just be really quick. And uh, I think after a period of training, on average... Uh, it doesn't really uh, make a, you know, a big difference for for the for the AI model. I mean, it does not make a difference because of the AI model. Like in another way, uh, I think it will have been a, a big issue. But if you have a a, a decent um, you know uh, set of sounds of different times, maybe also different people uh, typing on the same keyboard, it's not going to be a big deal. Right, if you have a decent, uh, let's say, database uh, from where to start. Man, that's that still blows my mind. It has to be a phenomenal data set because I think, like, hey, sure, if I press like the F key with like a little light touch, or if mm -hmm. I just actually press it like I'm typing, and yeah. if I did the K key on the other end of the keyboard, like it's going to sound at least because it's like a, a keyboard key, the same thing. But and all of these, so I, I wonder, is it like the difference of the microphone distance, like a where it is in relation? But that wouldn't make any sense because that's going to vary for each thing. So, yeah. oh man, I I read it through the article and I was like, can I play with it? Do you have a proof <laughs> of concept? Like, can I can I try it? 
<laughs> yeah, where, where you know, where can I pay for forever trying yeah. forever trying on this? <laughs> you know, this is yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, I was searching for a specific um, quotation here. Mm. So yeah, Very the attack effective. model. I, again, I'm I'm just reading here, but yeah. the attack model proved highly effective even against a very silent keyboard right so adding sound uh dampness that i'm not really sure what it is like something to cover uh your your keyboard yeah like but, a cushion or something so the keys yeah, aren't just loud maybe yeah yeah or making keyboards or switching to membrane based keyboards that are basically the one that you find on uh, all of the laptops i think um is unlikely to help so it doesn't really make much difference how noisy is the keyboard itself right and if it doesn't make sense like a difference how noisy is the keyboard i think it's not going to be a, a problem how far is the microphone or how good is the quality right because uh, yeah it's, it's crazy it's, <laughs> it's definitely crazy so question for you do okay. you use a password manager and if you don't that's totally okay yeah <laughs> You yeah, do? I think, okay. I think it's, it's also mentioned, right? Because the point is that if you type something, they can record and maybe translate that in, into you know, uh, keywords. Yeah. But if you don't type, like if you just press Control B <laughs> or mm -hmm. even with your mouse, they will just, uh, of course, you know, translate in Control V, not 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 your actual password, right? So maybe the 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 you know uh, old good. Uh, suggestion just use a password manager works even there right um, and if you don't know what we are talking about password manager is just a software that creates a database where you store your passwords and you make actually maybe um, the software generates your password for you so the next time you have to authenticate to a system you don't really type in your passwords but you just you know copy the password from your uh, database and paste into the, the system itself. Again, in that way, you're not really typing in your credentials. So um, you know, no one can, can steal your credential because you are typing in and someone is uh, listening. Yeah, I, I use a password manager and I set them to like crazy obnoxious, like 128 length characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and that I would never type, and I don't know any of my passwords. Um, but even still, like this sort of thing, like an audio-based keylogger is 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 wild. Um, it's I like looking at those potential mitigations, though, because they say, oh, just white noise, like having a fan on, or software-based keystroke audio filters. I'm interested in that. Uh, yeah, again, I don't know. If they ever release a proof of concept, uh, that would be cool. I want to play with it. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's it's actually interesting that they are suggesting to introduce some white noise because yeah. again, mostly you are trying to avoid that during a meeting or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I wonder you are having a meeting and you're starting to do you know noises with the uh, I don't know with yeah. something just because you are scared about someone <laughs> stealing your passwords. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a bit crazy, but I will say again, the most effective thing here it will just be to use a password manager. And that's it. And that's the the um, yeah that's the way you counter this mostly. But again, uh, yeah, just the last thing I think you mentioned before, um, like how do you know what 
what key what um sorry for this what keyword is uh the target using right because yeah. i have to train my model uh on that one specifically but again that's mostly uh i'm also thinking uh that's also part of uh, uh any any kind of attack like when you are profiling your target to see okay what operating system they are they using, what hardware they are using, so what vulnerabilities I can exploit, in there, and so on and so forth. So maybe I'm also thinking how many people on social media are sharing their, uh, you know, uh, their desks with their computer, oh, yeah. the with their laptop. fancy keyboard <laughs> and everything. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's even that difficult to find out, okay, what kind of keyboard you are uh, you're using. And if you have a laptop, that's even easier, right? Um, can you imagine that though? Like a whole like repository or like data set of like, hey, these are all the potential possible keyboards that are out there in the world. And here's like the downloadable sample pack of the, the trained AI model to be able to figure it out. That, that, that would be cool. I'd love to see that come to life. <laughs> I mean, I, I was not thinking about it. I was just thinking maybe I, I will train my model for just a specific attack with a specific target. But yeah. now that actually makes more sense. Something like... Uh, uh, as a service, right? Where I train my model for everything, and I actually sell you my access to my to my software just yeah. to, to run a specific attack on uh, on this specific target, like what we see with ransomware nowadays, or or similar. So it will definitely make sense, and uh, I would, you know, I will not be surprised to see something like that on the <laughs> uh, on the wild. Also, because uh, we mentioned something like this in one of the previous episodes, and you can see in uh, you know in the dark web how how many new AI tools are being provided uh, even you know uh, uh, by by cybercrime, cyber right? Yeah. Uh, so again, I will not be surprised to see something like this. Definitely, it's, and it's not that difficult. I don't think are there that many you know keyboards out there. <laughs> I'm not sure like how, how difficult it could be. There's got to be tons. There's got to be like millions, I think. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, uh, there will be for sure the, the most used ones, right? Okay, oh, maybe true. I will uh, take, a, uh, you know, the most used laptops from the most used vendors, right? Uh, Mac or Microsoft or Lenovo or uh, whatever, and then start with the, the most common um, a keyboards provider. I mean, who who actually buys a a, a keyboard? Maybe all the mechanical ones, uh, for sure. They will be interesting. And uh, maybe you don't support one hundred percent, but I think it's easy to support like fifty percent of the market if you include the laptops. I don't think that's that difficult. I'm not sure. No, I think you're right. Like, yeah, just getting like the low hanging fruit for the pool of potential keyboards. And then you think about buildings or companies and organizations that will like buy in bulk to like set up the hardware for desks and rooms and buildings. Like if you go to a school, they all have the exact same keyboard because they just got whatever Dell thing that would offer in a giant bulk buy deal. Uh, so that's kind of wild. Hey, you just knock out <laughs> all the potential keyboards in one business or company or building because that's just what they happen to use throughout the entire facility. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and I mean, it does not seem that difficult to train um, the model for one specific keyboard, right? So right. 
I, I can still, you know, request, okay, can you make this available for this specific keyboard? I, I give you the model. Okay, I'll buy that specific model and dream for that specific and then, you know, just sell my software for more than what I, I bought my, <laughs> my keyboard, right? Easy, but yeah. I, again, if you want something targeted and you can determine what's the, the, what's the keyboard your target is using, I don't think this is a, a big deal. Like, again, I will read uh, the the white paper as well, but it really seems very, uh, very easy, right? Uh, 25 times each each key is, is not is not that much. Yeah, I was thinking you, you, you needed more than that. But yeah. I'm curious Thank if the microphone has to move. I'm still, I still don't know about the whole, I don't know. Yeah. But look, I'm excited to see it come to life. I hope they release it. <laughs> there are so many of these, you know, side channels. We we spoke in another episode about something. Um, reading the uh, the power led of a you know hard drive or something through a through a camera and being able to um, uh, you know uh, uh, find out encryption keys. So it's it's really crazy. It's something that you think it's coming from a. Mission Impossible film or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not, like, yeah, you don't really expect this kind of stuff if you're not really into it, if you're not reading uh, a lot of this stuff. But yeah, uh, I think that that's another reason why, you know, uh, taking your time to read some uh, random news, right, from the industry is, uh, is, uh, is useful because even if you're not really working with that stuff, right, I don't think I'm ever going to, you know... Uh, probably uh, handle side channel vulnerabilities for work. Maybe maybe one day, I don't know. But still, just knowing this kind of stuff could potentially happen, I think, you know, opens your mind about, uh, you know, possibilities. Right? Possibilities that attackers have, and also possibilities that you should think about uh, in terms of remediation or, uh, you know, prevention or, or whatever. It's, it's crazy. Great. So, um, yeah, again, anything else you would like to mention? Otherwise, we have just the last very big stuff. No, I don't think so. Um, again, I'm just looking forward to it, and I, I, I hope they do release something to actually play with it because I think more people would be fascinated in this thing and want to use it if it's out there in public. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, even, even also... Um, if an AI model is usually difficult to, to maintain, like infrastructure, um, uh, infrastructure-wise, like I don't know if they are going really to um, to publish something, but may, at least you know the details, the technical details on how they uh, they did it. It's going to be interesting, so you can try to replicate it maybe uh, on your own. Definitely. Cool. So uh, now this is another uh, thing very specific about the the format. So the last news is usually the one that I personally think it's most interesting, and it's the one that gives the name to the episode. The today is, is this social media's future, right? Uh, we are talking about, again, another, um, uh, another talk that is going to be uh, given, I think, on uh, at DEF CON this time. And, um, uh, you know, this is, this is huge as well. So um, we're talking about Cult of the Dead Co. If you don't know about them, they are a very, very famous um, 
hacker group or activist group, uh, whatever you know uh, they call them uh, right now. They were very uh, famous, especially uh, I think uh, 80s and 90s, right? Uh, and anyway, uh, a lot of you know very um, you know knowledgeable people uh, were part of the group or are still part of the group right now. And they um, they are going to have a a talk where um, at, at DefCon um, we're going to talk about this new uh, framework. I would say. Uh, they were working on uh, from uh, some time now uh, that is basically a framework to um, uh, basically enable developers to um, develop more uh, end-to-end encrypted uh, applications in general. And they are especially referring to uh, potentially applying this framework to uh, new you know, social media applications in the future, right? So they really want to uh, create an alternative for the social media platforms we um, uh, we know today, right? They are uh, mostly uh, based on collecting the information from the users to be able to, you know, resell them and everything. And what they are really, um, what the cult of the dead core is really looking into is to create an alternative where you can still use social media, right? But your data is all encrypted. When we talk about end-to-end encryptions, means that um, you know everything you are actually writing or downloading from the application is actually encrypted, and only the end users, so you and I don't know your recipient maybe, are able to decrypt and read through it. And uh, no one in the middle could technically, you know, read the data and of course you know exploit and uh, resell the data in that case. Um, so uh, this is big for, for multiple reasons again. And um, I want to focus on two things, right? This new framework, uh, it's based on end-to-end decryption. So basically the same thing that we use today in messaging apps, mostly uh, for you know uh, WhatsApp, Signal, or similar applications. And another very uh, big thing about this is that it's peer-to-peer. Right, so peer-to-peer just means that uh, the difference between what we use nowadays, where you have your uh, client, you have your computer in access, um, a, a provider that as a server, right, providing the service, so they have a central um, repository where they where they contain all of the data for the social media, for example, and you are just accessing the data through your client. In this case, you actually have all of the data that are distributed uh, through uh, all of the different clients accessing the same network, right? So all of the different users of these hypothetical new social media, right? They are actually also storing all of the data of the social media itself. That is actually, you know, again, encrypted. So no one is actually in the middle because there is no central entity in this kind of network. And uh, even if someone can actually uh, try to um, listen or sniff through the traffic, uh, since it's end-to-end encrypted, they can uh, cannot still uh, get access to it, right? So these are the two big differences. It's nothing new, right, like uh, as concepts, but the way they want this to be applied to social media and, you know, again, other kind of application, it's, uh, it's somewhat really... Um, you know, uh, game changing, 
I would say. I'm not sure if this really has a future. You know, most of us will probably uh, hope, right, that this is the future. But it's a big, very big change. Like I don't, I, I don't really know where to start about this. It's it's just too too big for me. Yeah, I uh, I use Signal personally, uh, and I, I poke around on tour, right, for some dark web spelunking and stuff. And when I was reading through the article, I was thinking like, oh man, that is genius! Like it's just taking these two pretty well established things like technologies and let's put them together and then you know you can really make like the ideal hey anonymous private hey peer-to-peer encryption etc all of these things that we would want in the ideal state that is not collecting data or selling data or any of that nonsense and then bring it to life um i you're totally right and that like okay is that ideal state knowing that's what we all want is that going to be feasible is that going to make money are developers or programmers or code monkeys going to actually write stuff for it to use uh i'm curious and again yeah we'll be chatting about at defcon uh next week so i'm again hope i can tune into that one but i want to see just what's the reception how many people are going to be hard charging and excited about this thing what are they going to do um but they're calling it, you see, valid, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can see it here. Um, so I, th- I think the, the last thing you mentioned is uh, is the, the very big topic here, right? Because, again, we know about peer-to-peer and we know about encryption from, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the very uh, beginning of the, the industry and even before. Uh, the... The real difference here, and uh, and I think it's actually mentioned somewhere here, is that you know this kind of technologies were never be um, were never been uh, really uh, usable for most of the users. Right, that's the reason why they uh, nowadays they are still not uh, that much used because it's just uh, more simple to to use Facebook, right? Then have to uh, you know set up your your own peer to peer network and maybe I don't know <laughs> configure your router to do some port forwarding and everything like you you surely have um, heard about peer to peer before when maybe um, uh, messing around with uh, some torrents maybe you know uh, if you ever use the you know BitTorrent or similar um, uh, softwares you were using actually a peer-to-peer network, right? The file you upload or download, they are not stored in a central server. They are just stored in everyone's uh, computer that is using the same application. So, so this is the same concept, right? So that was there, I don't know <laughs> how much time ago, right? The point is that it was not for everyone. Social media are for everyone, like whoever, like a, a, a very small kid or a, uh, uh, even old people can easily use social media application from their mobile devices, right? And uh, Signal, for example, is the perfect example here, right? Uh, because it's a, uh, it, you know, privacy-oriented, encrypted uh, messaging application. It's totally open source, but it's also, you know, have a, a very nice uh, graphical interface, right? It's also very similar to the... Um, uh, business-oriented alternatives, right? It's very similar to WhatsApp or or whatever. 
that's the reason why it's gonna is being used by many users, right? Nowadays, uh, and what they are suggesting here that maybe we need a similar thing for social media. Maybe we need a social media that is secure, that is privacy oriented, but it's that's also easy to use. So that's the difference. Maybe at DefCon they will have a a, a good, you know, a, um, a good impact. Like developers and hackers in there will have, a, you know, a good thoughts about this. But what about all of the others? Like, is my I don't know my uncle uh, going to use something like this, or is my niece going to use something like this? It's it's gonna be easy for them or not? I think I think that's the game changer here. I hope so, because my, my fear is because, I don't know, the big focus on the social media apps and all right now, and since that's what they're trying to drill down to and focus on our apps, uh, because there's just been that erosion and trans more transformation of like, oh, Twitter burns down, becomes X, and now we've got Mastodon getting back up in the area, but what about Blue Sky? And hang on, you could be using threads, and there's just so much stuff now. I hope it just doesn't fall to the wayside if there is yet another new kind of social media app um, and it just, um, I don't know, gets sidelined because there's just so much else right now. Uh, I don't know if it's the timing. I don't know if it's, hey, the allure, what what it does it, but I'm still stuck on Twitter, <laughs> even though it's X, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's true. But uh, at the same time, you know, they're, they're just providing a framework and now there's not really a social media. So maybe timing is not the best one right now, but True. it's not really this timing because we really need to wait for someone to, you know, take this, agree with this and start to work on it to create, you know, a, a decent application we can all start to use. So it really depends on how this um, field is going to evolve in the near future, I will say. Definitely now it seems a, a little messy with all of the yeah. Twitter alternatives going on right now. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what will be uh, in, uh, in just a few years. Maybe now we have many different things, but not all of them will be continued to use. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I really think I'm not really that that much into social media myself. Uh, I mostly used it because I need to, um, but I really don't like to have, uh, I don't know, uh, five or 10 different platforms where to say the same stuff or read right. the same stuff yeah. or connect with the same people. It doesn't really make sense. I prefer to have one thing uh, that it work, uh, not, not, not that it works better, but that um, as the feature that I need, right? And if there's going to be, you know, a privacy oriented and again, a secure uh, version of the social media, it will have, you know, uh, some specific uh, features and uh, characteristics that will make the difference. It's like Signal right now. We didn't really need an, another, yet another, you know, messaging app definitely before Signal, but we're using it because there's some difference. It's open source. It's end-to-end -end encrypted, and uh, so on and so forth. There's a, you know, trusted uh, entity behind it, and everything. So there are some specific characteristics. It's not just another social media from the company that is building three, four, five different social media platforms, right? 
I like my opinion. Uh, no, uh, you're right, and I and I like like trying to cruise through the article. I know they say, "Hey, we already wrote more than hundred thousand lines of code, and we're we're coming together to build." Uh, Hey, policies and documentation and the the first couple of things to build out this ecosystem. So I really like that. I think that's cool that like, hey, we want to make a big splash when we finally release this thing. And that way it will have much more of a draw and the hope to get more folks on board and to, to kind of keep that momentum and start with the ground running. Um, I hope that works and I'd be super interested. And I think you know that there's another um, point here. Like again, peer-to-peer -peer is not something that really uh, was used that much before. Um, like for, for um, I don't know, for the vast majority of the people at least. And uh, I think there's some difference today because the the problem with and you know um, with peer-to-peer -peer is that if you're relying on your own hardware. Right, you're not really relying on very big again uh, cloud providers with their uh, huge data centers where everything runs pretty much smoothly. You're relying on just your laptop. That you know, not all of us have the the, the last shiny uh, laptop from a, a fancy company, and uh, you know, definitely nowadays everyone has a pretty pretty good and pretty powerful laptop and or mobile device, yeah. right? Uh, it's definitely uh, different compared to, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? The jump that we did with the hardware and uh, just the fact that, mm, you know, most of the people are not really leveraging all of the hardware capabilities of their own uh, devices. They are just buying the new, uh, the new fancy device, no matter what, what they are really using it for, right? But they have a very powerful device in there, right? Uh, talking about CPU, talking about um, all of the um, uh, performances in general, right? So it could be let's let's say more feasible today than a few years ago, right? Uh, even if still, I think that that's the uh, biggest concern, right? I, I don't think encryption is the concern. I think everyone. Uh, pretty much wants their messages to be encrypted. Right. I'm not sure, you know, uh, they uh, they will rely on the availability of something that is not uh, from a trusted entity. I would say, <laughs> like we are too used to have a I don't know Meta that is providing their servers and to uh, maybe complain that 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 few seconds that is not really working properly. <laughs> um, instead of you know being actually responsible for a part of your network because if your laptop is not working properly or if your connection is not working properly maybe you're not really providing data to someone else out there right yeah definitely yeah that top top topic right uh it's all fancy technology that um you know Geeks and knockers out there really mm -hmm. likes, but the point is to make this interesting for the rest of the people out there, right? Um, like private messaging, that's something a little different. Like you can have, I don't know, um, um, you know, there are multiple people who really needs their uh, 
you know, messages and information to not be really shared out there. Thinking about, uh, you know, journalists uh, that have to cover for, for these sources, right? So there is a user base for private messaging. Social media, I think it's a little different, right? If you want your data to be really private, you don't really push it into a social media. Or again, that, that is my opinion. Right. But still, uh, the point if the point is here whether you want that data to be processed and uh, you know sold by the entity behind the social media. I think that, that that's the biggest uh, difference is uh, here. It's not about making the, those data really private, right? Just not be uh, manipulated by uh, by a third party. Well, I guess the best way to get by it is to, hey, make the interface super accessible and user-friendly and just build up enough of an ecosystem that will pull folks. Because I, I feel like there are so many folks that are going to say, yeah, okay, it's cool that they don't sell my data, but they might just say, like, I don't care that Meta, Facebook, whatever is going to because it's already done. Like, oh, the damage is done, whatever. Yeah. Just kind of brush it off. Um, yeah, they so already I, have my data, so... Yeah, they. I know. Hey, Cult of the Dead Cow and Loft and uh, Mudge and all the, that crew is going to be fighting an uphill battle, but it's a good one to fight. And there are going to be a heck of a lot of folks that are all about it and trying to help lead run the charge as well. And you know, in case this is not uh, still clear, the point is that today, you know, just how uh, social media business works, right? They need, you know, and social media are, are free. So you don't pay anything to, to get access to those platforms. So the way they can provide those services to you is because, you know, they are taking your data and reselling. So someone else maybe can, um, you know, show you so ad some ad advertisement that is specifically, you know, uh, profiled on you, right? That's, you know, a very easy way um what what it's working uh, under the hood and that's what someone like the, the cult of the dead cow wants to avoid and um like you're right that th there will be people who are just not uh, really uh, taking care about this no uh no i, I don't care my, my, about my data or someone who could actually say oh no for me it's okay like i want that advertisement that is really profiled on me. I don't want advertisement that is not profiled on me because it doesn't make sense, right? Because there still will be advertisement online, right? Uh, so it's different point of views. But I think here the difference is for, uh, I, I may be a little too young to say this, but for the, new, for the new generations, right? For the people who are still not on internet, who are still not, uh, you know, uh, have sold all of their data online. This, I think this is a huge, you know, um, um, disruptive uh, way to change the industry for the newcomers, for the new user who will, who will join the, the next social medias. That's right? true. I yeah, think, that's I totally true. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think of that. Like, hey, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, just kids that aren't, I don't know, hooked up yet, that aren't into the whole internet ecosystem and social media but yeah if this could just be the new horizon the the new future for what they can get it dive in rather than 
the shill, the sell, the corporate conglomerate, the buying and trading of user data for marketing and ads. That would be really, really wild uh, and, and crazy for the internet. Yeah. Now, so again, uh, just in the very last episode, we mentioned that, um, you know, there are still, uh, I would say, multiple governments that are actually against encryption, right? Uh, especially hmm. on uh, messaging apps and, and everything. And they are trying to push uh, new regulations that uh, will basically introduce backdoors, right, uh, in those systems so that law enforcement can access uh, data in case they need to, right? The point is that, um, and I'm going to stop there because that's another big topic, but the point is that if you introduce a backdoor, someone else can use that same backdoor to do uh, something uh, bad as well, right? Uh, and uh, like in in a, in, a, in a moment where, again, for example, UK is the last government which uh, is trying to push a new regulation about that, uh, where they want to get ahead of uh, encryption. On, on the other side, we have someone who is trying to completely change the world of social media, introducing um, you know, uh, encryption also in that, uh, in that context. I really feel that uh, it's, um, it, it's probably the, the best moment to do it because it could be too late in a uh, in few, in few years to introduce something like this. But at the same time, we have two sides which are very, very, you know, one against the other about this kind of topics. Like, okay, it's definitely good to have everything encrypted and to avoid my data or my kids' data to be manipulated or sold or whatever. Um, but what about if, like, a bad guy is actually, is actually using that application, that encrypted application, and the law enforcement cannot investigate uh, those bad guys uh, because it's encrypted. Right? That's the, the other part of the story. If right. we're going to encrypt everything, investigations uh, to cybercrime or crime in general will be very, very different. Uh, it's and, hard uh, to do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not an easy topic. I don't think there's an easy answer to, to this kind of stuff. But still, we mentioned this before, uh, if a new technology is introduced, is not good or bad by itself, right? Mm -hmm. Depends on how you use it. And we, I don't think we should stop creating new technologies because someone can use it uh, in a in a bad way. Agreed. That makes sense, right? Yeah, it's not enough of a reason to stop, in my mind. <laughs> well, good. So, um, you know, again. This is a very big topic, and I think we could, you know, potentially talk about this. And especially if, if I keep, you know, uh, extending the uh, the context um, for potentially forever. But I also think that we we're uh, about to reach the two hours. And uh, uh, again, uh, I think uh, I think uh, uh, not that this is enough, right? There is nothing uh, like uh, enough in uh, having this kind of discussion. It's always very useful. Uh, but again, I really encourage people uh, to, um, you know, continue from, from here, right? Uh, read yourself the same articles. I'm going to put this in the description of uh, YouTube so you can make your own opinion. Maybe again, if you know something more, just something that we didn't mention, you can 
basically, um, you know, give us your opinion and comment uh, in uh, in the, you know in the platform you like the most. And uh, yeah, just um, you know, we will see you again in the next episode with a new guest. I don't know, maybe I will bother John at some point again to to join us if uh, you know if it isn't that enough. But for the moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, John, to uh, have joined me. And I had so much fun. So, uh, yeah, I think that was very useful. Hopefully, it will, uh, you know, you appreciate it as well. Absolutely. It was a great spending some time with you all, and there were a lot of good thoughts, kind of ideas hey, coming together uh, on all those different news articles. And it's so crazy. It's so wild to me. Like, between the news, between headlines, between the beats, the, the pulse of the industry, there is just always something new and always something else to chat about and think about. Uh, and it's it can be a fire hose sometimes, and there's a lot of it. Uh, but it, when, when you got the stomach for it and you've got the fortitude, like it's, it's really fun and really cool to dive in. Uh, so thank you for letting me join you and have some great conversations here, my friend. <laughs> Great. That's great. Thank you very much again. And, you know, thanks for all the people that, you know, watched us. Um, <laughs> some comments in there. So someone is uh, asking you to, to participate next time. <laughs> cool. So I'm not, I'm not the only one asking for it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, there uh, I really want to talk with a lot of other people. So uh, there will be uh, time before I, I bother you again. Uh, Alrighty. <laughs> great. Thank you very much, all. And see you next time. Bye bye.